0: Maria, Welcome to First Up, it's Rahina, it's Monday the 30th of January, koneitha rarere Aho. Coming up UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has sacked Conservative Party Chair Nahim Zahawi and as the rain still falls in the upper North Island we'll count the cost of Auckland's worst ever flood. The Minister of Fruit and Veg updates us on how growers were affected, we'll bring you updates uh, about wet weather conditions as they continue. And we hear from some of the Aucklanders whose lives have been turned upside down by the and devastating floods.
1: Like it was very dangerous and it was, I've never seen this in my entire lifetime. I mean I've seen flooding but nothing like this and it happened so fast.
0: Yeah, me here, Kato. Welcome to first up. I'm Nathan Rarere, Yes. Uh, so, uh, just a very quickly before we jump to our first guest, what we will try and do is update you if any new news arrives uh, to hand. But obviously, uh, Auckland's the Waitomo area. Uh, Bay of Plenty. Waikato in particular as well. I think there's still a heavy rain warning currently for for Waikato. So you are the area we're most looking at Uh, and I think a lot of people in Auckland managed to jump at least two metres when the emergency text phone uh, text message arrived last night Um, and it certainly wasn't nice hearing that that tsunami siren go off as well. Uh, So look, what we'll do is, yeah, we'll try and keep you updated on those, particularly Northland. We're thinking of you as well because it looks like rain is heading your way. Uh, 2101, anyone out there if you would like to update us on conditions or, you, or you're uh, perhaps w- wanting to know things. I even see uh, that a good friend of mine in Tiaraha was posting last night, you could see the Waiho River had come up too, so uh, it looks like there's a bit of flooding there as plenty goes on. So we'll update you throughout the morning as we go, you'll hear stories from people at the end of the programme as well, but we'll begin this morning. Uh, and joining first up for the first time, it's really nice, it's News Hub's North America correspondent, it's Mitch McCann. Kia ora Mitch, how are you?
2: Good Nathan, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for um, having me on. And thinking of everyone at home at the moment, it's um, tough to see what's going on so far away. It's, um, yeah, it's horrible.
0: It was. It was. Uh, yeah. It was. A, it was. It came out. of nowhere, We will certainly tell you that. So look, um, now, there's a, a huge story in the United States. I wonder what this is going to do. Footage been has been released of the arrest and the beating to death of a Memphis man, there, Tyree Nichols. What what's been the reaction to that video?
2: Yeah, Nathan, look, it's been one of shock and perhaps outrage right across the country. It's only been three years now, I think, since protests erupted after uh, George Floyd died in Minneapolis. Major American cities uh, saw numbers and numbers of protests over the uh, weeks of May in 2020. And now another video has emerged of another man being beaten by police, this time in Memphis. So this is the 29-year-old father, Tyree Nichols, who was stopped at a traffic light and he was beaten to a pulp by five Memphis officers. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen the video. Some people may have, but it's very confronting. And for many people, it be hard to watch. Uh, basically, he is punched and kicked and all this sort of thing. It's terrible. Uh, and he died three days later in hospital. Now, the release of the video, uh, it's seen protests in cities like New York, Boston, Washington, uh, even Baltimore. I saw some video. But so far, relatively peaceful, which is good. But the latest information to emerge in this case last night is that the unit which those police officers were part of, it was called Scorpion, their job was to drive around high-danger neighbourhoods policing them. Now, that entire unit has been disbanded after this, and those officers, five of them, face murder charges, and they've lost their job. So uh, very interesting to see how this one plays out in the coming days ahead of his funeral, which is on Wednesday in Memphis.
0: Yeah, it's it's absolutely horrible footage, I don't think uh, it's worth watching at all for curiosity, it's terrible. Let's move to uh, politics, Donald Trump, he's officially kicked off his 2024 presidential campaign, he's held his first rally in months, how, how did that go, where was it?
2: Yeah, look, Donald Trump is back, although I'm not sure he really uh, seemed to leave at any points, uh, he was back on the campaign trail last night. Is 18 months out for the next election, so he's going really early at this. And he arrived at two small events, one in New Hampshire and one in South Carolina. And what he said uh, at the event in New Hampshire last night was, I'm more angry now and more committed now than I ever was uh, to winning back the White House. So Donald Trump is ready to go. He took aim at Joe Biden, as you would expect last night, but he also pointed the finger at the man many people expect to run against him from the Republican Party, Ron DeSantis. Now, he's the governor from Florida, who Trump says is trying to rewrite the state's history with COVID-19, where a lot of people died in Florida. He also talked about, uh, and this was new, that his former ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley, who some people will know, she called Donald Trump, apparently, in, the, in recent days and said she was considering a run at the White House as well, and Trump told her t- to go for it. He didn't think she would have a chance against him, but she told him to go for it. So... Interesting night for Donald Trump, but he can expect to be holding more rallies across this country in the coming months. The real issue will be whether or not people continue to show up to these rallies.
0: Mm. Yeah, the American football playoffs are on, and uh, a player who made a tackle the other week, the other guy's helmet hit him in the middle of the chest, and he just basically died on the field uh, before they uh, resurrected him, I think you should say. that. Damar Hamlin is his name. Um, I understand that he's, um, what, he's he's back up and around.
2: Yeah, he is. Uh, it was truly shocking when it happened. I was thinking before, I still remember one of my friends texting me and saying, hey, you need to put this on the TV. This is a, a bit of a situation. So Demar Hamlin is making uh, a really positive recovery, would have to say. And the Buffalo Bills posted on social media last night a video uh, where he said the situation was a lot to process within himself, mentally, physically, and even spiritually. And he also took the chance to thank the medical professionals that saved his life on the field after that truly traumatic moment in the NFL. It was interesting at the time, I thought that might be a kind of a reckoning moment for the NFL in terms of player safety. Normally, as you know, they've been criticised a lot in recent years for head injuries and that sort of thing, but this was a cardiac arrest, so it was quite different. But I'm not sure anything has changed, or I'm not sure if I've considered making any changes to the NFL, but it was a truly tragic moment. But good news that DeMar Hamlin is actually seemingly making a, a positive recovery. Yeah.
0: Mitch, thank you very much for your time, sir. Uh, we will uh, speak with Mitch on Monday mornings. Yes, uh, that Demar Hanlon story turned very weird because the conspiracy theorist decided, of course, that he uh, it was the vaccine uh, that must have uh, made him die. So now they think that it's a body double Um that is out there unbelievable where we get to with stories so quickly it's 12 and a half past five you're listening to first up here on rnz national with me nathan radity in the united kingdom the prime minister Rishi sunak uh, sunak sorry has sacked Nad- nadim zahawi as the chair of the conservative party the sacking comes in the wake of revelations that he was fined after he avoided paying millions of pounds of tax david wallace lockhart has the story
3: He arrived in the UK as a young refugee before becoming a successful businessman. He served as the vaccines minister, rising to become chancellor. This morning he was chairman of the Conservative Party, but Nadim Zahawi's ministerial career now lies in tatters. He had faced questions for some time about his previous tax affairs and the fact he'd paid a penalty to HMRC while he was in charge of the Treasury. He insisted he'd acted appropriately throughout. The Prime Minister had asked his ethics advisor to investigate. Sir Laurie Magnus reported back this morning. His findings were highly critical. In a letter to Rishi Sunak, he said that from April 2021, Mr Zahawi should have understood that he was under investigation by HMRC. He went on to say that Nadeem Zahawi failed to disclose relevant information, in this case the nature of the investigation and its outcome in a penalty. He concluded Mr Zahawi's omissions amounted to a serious failure to meet the high standards set out in the ministerial code. In a one-page letter, the Prime Minister sealed Nadeem Zahawi's fate. He said it was clear there'd been a serious breach of the ministerial code and that he was sacked from the government. Um,
4: in- investigation into your own uh,
3: tax affairs. The ethics advisor was also critical of what he labelled an untrue statement from Mr Zahawi that he echoed in an interview last July. So I
5: was you know, clearly being smeared. I was being told that that the serious fraud office, that the National Crime Ministry, the HMRC are looking... Uh, to me, I've, yeah, I'm not aware uh, of this. He should have
3: sacked... The him. opposition He's say Rishi Sunak should have acted Tennessee. faster.
1: This is very serious, and Nadim Zahawi has spent a very long time dodging this. And I do just think it speaks to Rishi Sunak's character and his judgement and his weakness. He's not prepared to,
3: to do what's right for the country.
6: The chairman of the Conservative Party but
3: Michael Gove insisted the Prime South Minister had behaved appropriately. As a general rule, Uh, I think it is important when allegations are
7: raised that they're investigated promptly, but also uh, we shouldn't rush to judgment before there's been that investigation.
3: In his reply to the Prime Minister's letter, Nadeem Zahawi said he'd been concerned about the conduct of some of the press towards him. He added that it was the privilege of his life to serve in government. (laughs) Mr Zahawi's life story is an incredible one. This will be a devastating chapter to look back on.
0: That was David Wallace-Lockhart reporting from London. Quarter past five, you're listening to First Up on RNZ National with me, Nathan Raderi. Um, Hopefully, your muscles aren't too aching, those of you in the top of the north, northern part of the country, I should say, from. Um bending down and getting silt out of everywhere that you've got. Of course, uh, send us your stories, if you like, on 2101. I just see that uh, the Met Service has issued a, a marine warning. Uh, very high winds bring head to Cape Colville, if you are at all uh, thinking of heading out uh, onto the water there, as more storm conditions, conditions continue to blow through. We'll go to Europe now, where I'm joined from Sweden by our correspondent, Dr Anita Purcell-Sherland. Moreno, Anita, how are you?
6: Fine, thank you, Morena.
0: Let's talk about a new boss for the Czech Republic, Peter Pavel, retired NATO general there, has been elected, uh, uh, elected to the presidency and a bit of a landslide. Now, he's very much pro-West, isn't he?
6: Yeah, the short answer to that question is yes. Uh, during Saturday's election, 61-year-old Pavel took 57.6% of the vote. His opponent, Babas, who served as Prime Minister between 2017 and 2021, conceded defeat after the results were announced. Now, the newly elected President Pavel will replace Mylos Zeman, whose second term ends in March. Now, Saturday's election between Mr. Babas uh, and Mr. Pavel was portrayed as a contest between populist oligarchy and liberal democracy. And election campaigning was filled with uh, alleged death threats and disinformation. Now, as a retired NATO general, Mr. Pavel is a firm advocate of Czech membership of NATO and the EU, and he's strongly in favour of further military aid for Ukraine to fight against Russia. Now, his victory on Saturday is definitely seen, especially by the EU, as an affirmation that his country is firmly rooted in the West. Mm. There's a seems to be some sort of competition going on
0: around the world to see how much cocaine authorities can seize. So today's entrant is Spain and they've seized a cattle ship carrying 4.5 tonnes of cocaine. I think they're winning.
6: Yeah, I mean, the raid took place on Saturday and the cocaine has an estimated street value of $150 million and was hidden among over 1,700 cattle. Now, 28 crew members from nine countries are in police custody. The vessel Orion V was sailing under a Togo flag and had departed from Colombia and police say they'd been monitoring the vessel since 2020 because it was suspected of transporting large amounts of drugs to countries in the Middle East, Asia and Africa. Now, Spanish authorities say they're cracking down on the so-called Atlantic cocaine route, which is commonly used by merchant fishing and livestock ships from South America to transport cocaine to Europe and Asia.
0: Let's talk about Turkey. Why has Turkey issued this travel warning for its citizens who are living or planning on going to European countries?
6: Well, Turkey's warning comes after last weekend's protests in Sweden where an anti-Islam activist burned the Quran and also uh, pro-Kurdish groups were protesting against Turkey. Now, in its warning, the Turkish government said that there was an increase in anti-Turkish protests by groups with links to terror groups, which is a reference to the Kurdistan Workers' Party, or PKK, that has waged decades-long insurgency against Turkey. And meanwhile, uh, pro-Kurdish groups have been demonstrating in Sweden and waving the flags of the PKK and its affiliates and they've been protesting Stockholm and Helsinki's promise to prevent the PKK's activities in their countries to gain um, to to gain Turkey's approval for their NATO bids
0: can you why uh, hundreds of climate activists actually protested outside the Hague on Saturday in the Netherlands there what are, what were they protesting
6: Well, basically, they're they're protesting their rights to hold peaceful protests. And what they did was they blocked a main road into The Hague and the demonstrators were waving flags with the symbol of of the environmental group Extinction Rebellion and uh, basically they were protesting um, restrictions on their right to protest in the country. Now last week six extin- Extinction Rebellion activists whew, mouthful, were detained by authorities on suspicion of sedition linked to calls to stage the protest at The Hague. Now on Friday a judge upheld an order banning another activist from the area for 90 days and so a lawyer for the group said the a court order was a way of taking away the right of climate activists to demonstrate and and that's what they were protesting against.
0: Right and uh, we'll get out of here with this one. Uh, The world's biggest news agency has apologised to the people of France and it's warned its journalists against referring to, here we are air brackets, the French. Why is this?
6: Well, the AP Stylebook Twitter account had recommended writers avoid using the in phrases like the disabled, the poor, and the French. Now, the Associated Press Stylebook is considered the best style guides in writing for journalists and other writers, especially in the US. So basically, this is what the AP Style Guide tweeted We recommend, and this is in quotes, we recommend avoiding general and often dehumanizing the labels such as the poor, the mentally ill, the French and the disabled, the college educated. Instead, use wording such as people with mental illnesses and use these descriptions only when clearly relevant. Unquote. Now, the original AP tweet received more than 20 million views and 18,000 retweets before being deleted. So, the French embassy responded by briefly changing its name to Embassy of Frenchness in the United States and others suggesting alternatives to the phrase the French." French." French, such as suffering from Frenchness or people experiencing Frenchness.
0: (laughs) Well, we have been people uh, experiencing Dr. Anita Purcell Sherland. Thank you uh, very much for your time, uh, Anita. Twenty-one past five. I'm Nathan Radford here at First Up on RNZ National. Coming up, we'll hear from uh, people's stories of the uh, the floods over the weekend as heavy rain continues to fall here. And also, uh, your Minister of Fruit and Veg is up next with what the floods mean for growers of produce. The the music. That means it's time for the Minister of Fruit and Veg. He is Glenn Forsyth. Morena Glenn.
8: Maureen and Nathan, how are you?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I smell musty, like all the rest of my clothes do. Uh, tell me this: yes. the growers, how did how did they cope? Um, you know, big flat fields, a whole lot of rain. It's it's not ideal.
8: No, not wanting to be offensive anyway. However, the last seventy-two hours for many growers in the North Island has been sheer hell. Talking with lots of our good folk yesterday, some areas okay, some yes, very bad. Starting in Dargerville, Kaipurkuma, they said the rain there hasn't affected their crops other than already being down this coming season because of the wet November for their planting. And Anthony, he added that they had... Um, you know, had they got the weekend rain what Pukekohe got, that would have decimated the kuma crop this year. Waikato and Owakuni, they're okay. So is Horafenua, which welcomed the 30 mil of rain they got on Saturday. But the Manawa too, they got a little tickle up last night. Nothing major reported. Richard Burke from Lederbrand Gisborne, they're all good. But down on Hawke's Bay, they got 110 mil, you know, hurting onion growers about to harvest. Bay of Plenty, bad. Some new blocks of kiwi underwater, but it's the continued lack of sunshine making kiwi fruit and avocado growers there nervous. Produce needs sun too. So they're watching that one closely through February and March. Likewise, our glasshouse crops around Auckland, they need sun as well. Now, this all leaves one area left which got the short straw. Uh, can you guess which one that was, Nate?
0: It'll be around Auckland City, either just northwest of it or just south
8: of it. Pukakaui, that, yeah. that, that That's the area. They got they got smashed. 120 mil of rain one side of the hill. 260 mils were some reports on the other side. Spinach gone. Greens whacked. No one will harvest there for a while yet. And without puky supply, demand will instantly increase on these vegetables elsewhere. Now, Stain and Pukakoi onion growers there too had product on the ground drying, and they got washed away. Plus a little garlic. Yeah, that was criminal. A warning also not to eat onions floating into properties as, as may be touched up by traces of septic water. You know, it, it is also a wait and see game for potato and carrot damage underground in Pukukaui. The the growers were remembering the last big flood there in the late 90s. And even even though our hardy growers there have better silt traps and drainage drainage setups now, the cost to reshape and prep all their land again, it's crippling. So yeah, not not good news at all for the people of Papakoi.
0: Yeah, um, tell us. Um, so veggie's still available in most places, though, right? We'd, this won't affect us just yet, as far as eating goes at the supermarket. <laughs>
8: I know, yeah. Well, not right now. Not much left is there. Even cucumbers and tomatoes were in shorter supply today and getting a lot of our information this morning from Lower North Island markets and into Dunedin, of course, being Auckland Anniversary Day. There are good buys, though, in sweet corn, courgettes, better bites, carrots, spring onions, and New Zealand round beans. There's no need to panic buy, but probably not a silly idea to grab a bigger bag of spuds and a pumpkin or two to get through this wet spell. Always got a meal with potatoes in the house, you know, with, with them. Potatoes are packed with important nutrients like vitamin C, potassium and dietary fiber even healthier eaten with their jackets on now one medium potato that's about 110 calories so not as fattening as people may think however if you cook them in fat or deep fry them well then you have problems boiling baking or mashing them that's enough and you know for something so ordinary they say the potato has had a quite remarkable history so we can rely on the spud
0: it's so good uh give me 30 seconds on fruit glenn what have we got
8: Oh, buddy, berries continue to sell well and with all this talk about rotten weather, you can see why more and more berry growers invest in rain covers for their crops. Passion fruit is trickling in. However, avocados and melons, they're a little scarce this morning with rain stopping play on the weekend. Doll bobby bananas, they're a nice choice this week for you. And how we can't wait to get our mitts on new season lines with raw gala and sweet tango apples, highly sought after. Lots to talk about on stone fruit, but it's all available. Plums, apricots, cherries, yellow flesh nectarines, and or white flesh peaches. And there's a great gadget you can buy from Stevens called a long, uh, a cherry pitter and olive at about $25. It takes the pips right out of the cherries so your little ones can enjoy them at kindy, causing no harm. And also no bowl of cherry pips that the children leave on the couch, which, you know, then falls onto the carpet. But so oh, that's the, the joy of little. it that's the
0: joy is finding the, the cherry pit think three months later when you're vacuuming cheers like
7: Lynn. sands through the hourglass so are the
0: days of our lives this is the day of our life we call the 30th of january Born 72 years ago on this day, Phil Collins. Yeah, that's right. At the Putney Hospital in Wandsworth, there in southwest London, so he was uh, London. He was given a, a toy drum kit when he was five. Now, um, that very famous uh, piece of drumming there was drummed in 2007 by a gorilla in a commercial for Cadbury. And here's the thing that New Zealand appears in this, so that song was first, first released in 1981, it went to number 6 in New Zealand, however after that commercial, New Zealand put it back on the charts at number 1, well done us, there we go. Also celebrating a birthday today, Gene Hackman, winner of two Academy Awards, four Golden Globes, one Screen Actors Guild Award, uh, two Silver BAf- uh, two BAFTAs and also a Silver Bear, I think at the German Awards, Gene Hackman, 93 years old today. Let's have a look at uh, historic happenings, on this day in 1661, Oliver Cromwell, Lord protector of the Commonwealth of England was ritually executed. He'd actually died two years before that but they went and did it again because there's still depth of feeling there. Uh, On this day in 1924 the first ice cream rolling machine, it was like a scoop with a little uh, clutch on it there, was uh, patented in Cleveland by Carl Rutherford Taylor. And on this day in 1973, KISS gave their first public performance at New York's Coventry Club in Queens. Fewer than 10 people attended. In 2021, the net worth of the band was valued at $300 million, so it worked out OK for them in their makeup. And that is, uh, yeah, that's the this day of our life, the 30th of January. It's business. It's business. time. That's what you're trying to say. You're trying to say, let's get down to business. It's business time. It's business.
7: And it's Giles Bedford time. Kira Giles, how are you? Purity and Nathan. I thought that Cadbury advert with the gorilla was one of the best ones of the decade. <laughs> it was great. It was People
0: great. asked him, "Was that you?" And he went, "No." But. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "But he's better at drumming than me, and I wonder if he can sing." So all, gorilla,
7: uh, all gorillas are called Phil.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, tell me, um, is this manufacturing, is it? We just don't make oh, stuff here anymore.
7: Well, that and What it was, I went through the supermarket during the weekend, stocking the shelves and needed some chicken stock. Uh, and I know some people are going to say, make your own, but never mind. I looked for it. Um, not only was the price up by about uh, 75, 80 cents or whatever, and I thought, that's a bit dodgy, but never mind. It's all made in Australia. There is no locally produced vegetable stock, chicken stock, beef stock. It's all proudly made in Australia with Australian cows and uh, chickens. And then I thought, don't we have animals here? All right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we have quite a few. Couldn't we make it? But... And then they've got me thinking. Leaving aside all the things we don't make, such as you know washing machines that we are used to and, and, and the like, but um, for instance, you know the things we hear a lot of in uh, you know in the transition to carbon-free society, carbon-free economy, is things like biofuels and biomass. Well, biofuels made of tallow. Tallow is a byproduct of slaughtering animals and the like. Hmm. Hello, don't we do that here? Biomass quite often comes from wood chips. Hello, what's floating all over Gisborne beaches and everywhere else after the storms? Mm. We've got an enormous forestry industry here. Uh, And yet, we don't make the wood chips here, by and large. Um, Not the wood chips certainly needed for biomass, which to generate certain types of heat uh, and get boilers, industrial boilers, especially for dairy industry, off coal. And biofuel is what we're going to use to extend uh, uh, diesel, cut down on the fossil fuel content of it. Uh, and we don't, you know, they they were doing a trial plant here, um, and they couldn't get enough tallow. What there was was too expensive. They're talking about importing tallow. Well, for goodness' sake, you know, you, you imp- they end up importing the finished product. And I thought. It's just a shame that some of the things that we do have here in real abundance we don't make the most of. I know that people will argue about the commercial realities and the economics of it, but you would think that there would be some thinking in government uh, and in business circles saying New Zealand resources should be exploited by New Zealand companies for the benefit of the New Zealand economy. Yes. Why don't we support it?
0: Well, as long as it's not actually being just sent overseas because they, pr- they can get a better price for it too. That That's another one as well. Giles, thank you very much for your time. You can hear more from the business team on Morning report this morning at 1027. If we go to the money markets now, your very soggy New Zealand dollar is worth 64.92 US cents, 91.3 Australian cents, 59.71 euro cents, 52.35 British pence, 4.38 yuan and 84.3 Japanese yen. Thank you. It's time for sport now with Barry Guy. ora, Barry, how are you? Lorena, yeah, I'm. Well, I'm good. I'm dry. How are you? Oh, it's pretty. Well, you know, um, rain fade featured heavily on my uh, sports watching on the weekend. (laughs) Right. I was like, oh, not again! Come on with that. So uh, you you were stuck stuck inside, I'm
9: assuming, (laughs) or if you weren't helping
0: out anywhere, but you know. No, there was uh, lots. The weirdest thing I came across was the front part of a tree wedged, a front part of a car wedged halfway up a tree. Uh, that ah. was that was the weirdest part of my Saturdays, the the cleanup continued. We'll still be cleaning up for mm. a while, but anyway, tell me uh, was uh, he open?
9: What what happened there? Yeah, Novak Djokovic won. Yeah. Oh, I suppose it was no surprise. Uh, straight sets, uh, two of them were in tie break, so it, it was quite close. So he now has twenty two Grand Slam titles. That he joins uh, Rafa Nadal. Uh, With that number, he beat uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas uh, of Greece. He's still waiting for his first title. Um, And he returns to world number one. Just had a quick listen to the the Djokovic um, uh, media conference. And uh, he says he doesn't intend to give up. And he'll be carrying on. So uh, give him, uh, you know, well, at least this year. And he could be uh, out in front on his own. So um, Novak Djokovic rolls on. Cricket. Well, he
0: he probably oh, will
9: end up a yeah.
0: long way off by himself, won't he? Because it doesn't look like there's a clear challenger for him at the moment. No, not well, really. Well, he came in,
9: he came into this with a knee injury, yeah. I think it was, and you know he said he uh, managed it through. He got a, a day off in between matches, which helped him, but he was still clearly better well, than anything else there. It's uh, you yeah.
0: know actually there, there, there is a challenge. There's there's Carlos uh, Alcaraz, but he hardly yeah. ever plays.
9: He's always injured yeah, at the moment, injured, which is yeah. hard when he's, when yeah, he's so young. That, yeah. And he won he won a lot in the hard court in the US, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So obviously it's not just a, a Clay Court player. No Uh, Cricket um, Game 2 of the T20 series Against India and New Zealand uh, 99 for 8 They scored in the 20 overs Which looked a bit disappointing But actually the Indians Are struggling about 74 for 4 Into the 16th over Um, Luck now Conditions look like They're uh, a little bit tricky All the slow bowlers Are getting turned Bounce All those sorts of things So we could end up A lot closer than we uh, uh, I think Mitchell Santner Top scored with 19 No one got to 20 So that's a little bit Disappointing So at this time Looks like it's going to be one-all in that series. And congratulations to the uh, Black Fern Sevens and the All Black Sevens. Both won in Sydney last night to extend their lead at the top of their respective uh, rankings uh, table in the World Series. So they looked particularly well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they did. It was incredible defence out there. Thank you very much, Barry. Have a good day. Yeah, we will do. There he is uh, from the sports desk, Barry Guy. And of course, you can hear more from the sports team right uh, across the day. Well, four people are now confirmed to have lost their lives in the Auckland floods in which a summer's worth of rain fell in less than 24 hours on Friday. Our team of producers and reporters uh, did amazing work yesterday out and about in the city assessing the damage, speaking with those affected. Uh, we began on the south side where some low-lying areas had people wading through shoulder-high water to get to safety. Matthew Tunison spoke with a resident of Mascot Avenue in Mangere about his family's frightening ordeal. We just
10: uh, come up started going across the road over there for about, a, about an hour yeah. and then the rain just got heavier and heavier and a lady come, next to me to come over she unblocked it, unblocked the drain and then it cleared up for a little while but then uh, just the rain just got heavier and then it just started building up and it came right up It broke the corner of the fence there where you can see on it just flattened that and then it just come up it's worst it's ever been because it usually comes up through the fence and that's the worst for oh, for 20 years yeah. cars were going trying to go through there but they couldn't get through because it was so deep and over here it just uh, there were two cars come through and they, they just stopped because they, they weren't started going in, inside their car, and then it just got, just got worse and worse and the rain, just continuous rain it just built up and it came right over the top of the fence you could see it rising up the water coming up and coming down to the lawn and we thought oh yeah but, you know, it wouldn't come any further but then it came right up and it came up the fence and the hobby spins and everything started floating around, it came right up here You had our cars wow. parked in the driveway I moved all the cars around the back there but the last car was over here, yeah. and the water still got inside. Got inside the car. Yeah. Is it all yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, it's dried out a bit now. No, you could see the it come right up to here, up to the front steps, yeah. and it went right around through the back. I had to let the dog out of a pen. Yeah, so it wouldn't get caught in a pen with the water. And then it came came in through the back in the wash house. I mean, yeah. had some um, bags of potting mix stacked that up, but it still didn't stop it. I rang up to I said to my son and my my wife, I said, Oh, now we're gonna, to, you know, I'll have to ring the um, emergency evacuation. So I rang up to the fire brigade,
8: yeah,
10: and I told him what the story was. And I said, You know, and it comes to this, it's about another 20 minutes, and it's going to come inside. So, um, any chance, of, um, you know, I'm just letting you know that we might have evacuated. And he says, Oh, can you get out of the place? And I says, No. It's, because the fellas were walking through there and it was just about up to their shoulders over there so we couldn't get through. So scary? Uh, yeah, yeah, it really was. And then the power went off for about, it was off for about an hour.
11: Dark? It was dark yeah, outside yeah. by that time?
10: Yeah, yeah it was dark. And we were standing out here watching the water come up and slowly rising up to the top. And I thought, oh shit, you know, and d- you told sweet. firmly to start packing some things so we can get out. So we started packing up and we we're standing out here watching the, watching the water rise up and then it just stopped. It was still raining but not really heavy and was, oh, we were just rushing around. We were just looking and we didn't know what to do. Eh? It was really scary to see the water coming up like that. Matthew,
0: tune us in with that report there from Mangere. It is 19:26. I'm Nathan Radity here at First Up on RNZ National. Still to come, uh, we'll hear the stories from the North Shore as uh, our producer Jeremy went out to speak to business owners there, and also we talked to a resident who returned home from the cancelled Elton John gig to find his car and much of his home underwater. <laughs> The professionals at Morning Report are up after six for a quick preview of
11: the flagship news program. It's Corin Dan, Shorter, How are you, Arthur Murray? How are you? I hope the weekend for you, Nathan, was okay. Happy happy. Uh, what is it? Uh, Auckland anniversary weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah, but boy. You know, what it was, an extraordinary weekend.
0: Yeah, pretty exciting when the, uh, the the water starts coming through the wall, and then you're like, oh, okay, quick, kids, towels, let's go. So oh, really, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we uh, we had a, a pretty fairly decent thing to go. Very grateful for the cat that peed on the couch. A couple of years ago, that we went, let's get one of those little wet vacuums for ourselves. It was yep. only small, but luckily we didn't have to go down to countdown to try and get the other one. So it was no, worth it, its waiting. It? Goal, but a, um, a
11: terrible weekend oh, and for all us in the end. Oh, well, it's good to hear that you were lucky. Uh, yeah. Many weren't, of course. And we will get across right across things, and as they stand at the moment, in terms of the weather forecast, because more rain is forecast, not just for Auckland, Northland too, and some other parts of the North Island. So we'll be right across that with the Met Service. We'll be talking to uh, the fire emergency. We'll be talking to uh, mayors in uh, various regions around the country. Plus, the Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, is in uh, to give us his assessment on what now, because the cleanup is going to be uh, costly, that is for sure. Other crazy stories over the weekend, too when you think about it. The inter-islander running its, its oh. engine failing in a really precarious spot uh, and having to anchor up. That was quite a serious incident. That gave incident. me the
0: willies. That, that is my help. Uh, it's
11: the worst case scenario. Luckily they got it going again but uh, it w- there was pretty bad weather in Wellington too at that point with the southerly. So we'll get some uh, more on that as well. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of politics about the uh, way in which the, um, the, the floods was initially handled. In particular there's been a lot of cris- criticism obviously of The Mayor, Wayne Brown, and we'll talk to the insurance industry too, get some, uh, perhaps some insights into how this is all going to play out and some advice for people too if they've got some complicated claims and uh, let's hope it's a lot better than uh, with the Christchurch earthquake and things have been learnt.
0: Yeah, thank you uh, very much, Corin. Corin and Kim Hill with you after six. Among the areas worst affected by the floods in Auckland was Wairoo Valley on Auckland's north shore. It's where two of the four people confirmed to have died in the disaster lost their lives. Our producer Jeremy Parkinson visited businesses in the area, starting with Cafe Lab Roasting Company. uh, Sorry, the Coffee uh, Lab Roasting Company. He asked the owner, Anna McGregor, if the bags of coffee beans that ended up underwater are now unusable.
1: The ones that were under the water, yes, yeah. there's water damage. We've probably got about, oh golly, it's hard to assess right now, but fifty to $60,000 of green beans have been damaged.
12: Good grief, how do you come back from that? You're, oh, you're, you're well insured, you're well insured.
1: Yes, I, I contacted my insurer and she said, yes, you know, you're insured for that and make a claim. I mean, this, there's the wagon, there's the big, my big coffee roaster that we're working on. So mostly the big things... Like the $300,000 coffee roasting machine that I bought in from Latvia is going to be okay. And things like the coffee machine. And the coffee was saved, the roasted coffee, because that was above the waterline.
12: So how did it roll out? So were you here when when the, the heavy rain started?
1: No, I wasn't here. I was at Harvey Norman getting another laptop for my business. And I saw the flooding there. And I had thought because earlier in the day the flooding came up from the waterways behind us and then it started to recede and then I thought oh it's going to be okay because the tide's going out and then at about 6.30 someone messaged me and said it's flooding in Wairau and so I grabbed my son and we came and tried to get to the building. We could not get close because there was flooding the North Shore Event Centre had like a river flowing through it. Like I tried to get through from that side but it was too dangerous. There was a guy in a jeep, it was over two metres the water to get through to here from that side and then we went round and parked up by Westlake boys and walked down along Wairau Road. There was a bus that was uh, flooded up to maybe two metres. There was guys walking up to their armpits to the BMW place through the water and I looked at it and I said to my son, because it was starting to really pull, under us. I mean, I was walking through water over my knees to try and get to coffee lab, and I thought, this is getting too dangerous. I said, Harley, we need to go home, we're just going to have to wait till tomorrow and do what we can do tomorrow.
12: Because it doesn't happen so often, you you are lulled into a false sense of security, and you think you know, I might go out and have a bit of a look, but you felt that undertow in, in oh, the I felt the it.
1: It was really strong. And and one of the guys, Steve from Machine Limited, who brought his team to help me today, I'm humbled by the people that have turned up to help me today. Like, shout out to Phil from Gas Serve. Just here all day working, helping me to get all the equipment tied out and up and running. And just a team of all sorts of people, customers.
12: And incredibly important to get back to business as soon as possible.
1: Absolutely. And um, like, there's been a mess of my suppliers from Carb Meat. yeah, Kate and Craig, they came here and they're vacuuming up water and cleaning the floors. But, um, you know, they all came and, and uh, I couldn't get here last night because The more I tried to get here, it was just too dangerous. And Steve said that there was a guy who went out on a kayak, just kayaking around Wairau, and it capsized a friend of his son, he was 24, and he died. He got caught in a drain and he died. It's tragic. Like, it was very dangerous. (laughs) And it was, I've never seen this in my entire lifetime. I mean, I've seen flooding, but nothing like this. And it happened so fast.
12: What advice have you had from uh, the local authorities? Has there been much of much direction, much communication?
1: Zero, to tell you the honest truth, none.
0: Next, Jeremy caught up with Sarah Atkinson from Opal and Sage. Sarah is in the candle and crystal business.
4: On Friday, I was just actually at home and we saw some videos of like the water out by the event centre and it was just, there were waves going through. It was just absolutely crazy. So when I saw that, I knew that The building here would be completely flooded we got here just after 10 o'clock at night and had to park just a little bit up silverfield because the water here was up to like knee deep so we waded through got into the building and the whole you could just have seen where the water came up the level was about half a meter into the warehouse and into my storeroom
12: so, so the water had come down a bit by the time you were able to get in here? Yeah,
4: yep, it had. So it had obviously come down, and even when we were in here, we were in here for about an hour just trying to basically get everything up higher because I was just worried there was going to be more rain in the night and it was going to lift it even further.
12: So, so what what have you lost? I mean, your, your, your business, crystals, candles, I mean, they, they'll dry out. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of the carpet and, and that sort of thing, just show us show us your office here.
4: Yeah, so this is the my dispatch area really and my reception area and as you can see and you can kind of hear it the the carpet is just completely ruined I had some stock just on the bottom rungs of the shelves and those were some candles that I can't sell so I just put them up on the community page to kind of give them away and I've had like so many people message about that which has been really lovely luckily like the landlord has this all covered for the, in terms of the building so my property manager called yesterday to kind of sort that out. But yeah, I mean, the pipeline will be massive in getting all of the carpet fixed. The, I think the carpet's done, like it needs to be replaced. So you can kind of smell it. It's starting mm. to smell. So I don't really know what I'm going to do the next week, if I'm going to be able to operate out of here, because it's probably going to take some time to get fixed.
12: Yeah. So w- when you moved in here, did you consider at all that that gully out there could be that kind of a risk?
4: No. Not no. Like I mean, I don't think anyone could have predicted what happened. Yeah, the waterways just the the volume of water No one could have anticipated what that was going to do.
0: Uh, Community support has been amazing among the community organisations that have rallied to support victims of the flood. The Supreme Sikh Society yesterday prepared hundreds of meals for those affected. Jeremy Parkinson visited its uh, its busy uh, langar, or community kitchen in Takanini, where he caught up with Sukjap Singh.
5: We've been in contact with the Mayor of Auckland, um, Wayne Brown. And we started off with straight away once once we got the phone call that we will deliver pasta to the affected areas. So first of all we started with 450 boxes of pasta, you can probably see the size of the boxes, it was pretty similar. And we delivered it to the Calston Community Hub through one of our contacts there and we've also made our little two hubs for the most affected areas that was um from our side it was newland and north shore that's where the gottuares are there as well so we've given quite a lot of stuff to north shore quite a lot of stuff to newland so they've got enough to keep feeding their communities and everything
12: and so that that was that was yesterday so what, what what's happening today
5: um we're making as you can see, rice and the sabji, paneer, ali sabji, we're putting them in boxes and we're sending them off to our hubs again, Alston, um, North Shore, and Newland. So the communities there that, that are affected can, can be feeded. Obviously, with people that are direct direct contact with us, we're, we've been giving it, we've got our drivers, three or four drivers, run, been running since yesterday, so we've been giving them directly. But this is pretty much going to most, mainly the affected areas. So, how many meals are being prepared today? Yeah. So we're probably looking at around five, close to 500 boxes again, um, with rice and sabji together, all in one box, and we'll get our delivery vans to take them to the to the hubs.
12: Uh, and uh, what what are they, what are your drivers seeing out there? Are they seeing people on the ground uh, in, in in need of food?
5: Yep. So we get regular photos um, back to us with all the uh, people lining up for for the food, and obviously where the flooding is mainly. So. They've lost some, some people have lost their houses, their shelter, so they're going to those areas to get the food out the people that are most affected and just to help them out.
0: In the central Auckland suburb of Epsom, the flooding found its way into an 8th unit townhouse complex on Gillies Ave. Reporter Leonard Powell spoke to one of the residents there who, thanks to his community, is
13: managing to keep his chin up despite what he's been through these past few days. V Aouraja and his wife Yvonne have lived at their three-story townhouse on Gillies Ave for 18 months. V says the couple had been at the Elton John concert on Friday night when the enormity of the situation sunk in.
14: We were at Elton John looking forward to a concert saw the rain sort of coming down and we started to realize oh no this is going to be quite bad because we were actually affected by the flood last year in April as well um, and that was not great for our property either. We got home and our entire ground floor and car were submerged in water. We could just see that it was about to reach our deck, but fortunately the top two levels of our townhouse are okay, which is a massive win for us, given the situation. The couple stayed with friends on
13: Friday night before returning in the morning to figure out how to salvage their home. Volunteers with a concrete truck came to the rescue, pumping the water out onto the street as neighbours and strangers used buckets. V says the power of social media was critical to clearing up the mess.
14: You say wouldn't have gone as well as it did without all the people that showed up. I can't say I'm the biggest fan of social media and Facebook, but you have to respect and acknowledge the power of social media and what it can do in a um, difficult circumstance, and just getting a hold of people very quickly just a quick post on our neighbourhood page resulted in five to six times more people than we would have had otherwise and it's meant that we could actually sort of do something about assessing our property today so just a big shout out to everyone that came along switching up the different tasks that needed to be done just meant a lot for people to come out and give up their time when you know people didn't have to do any of that
13: their two week old SUV was completely submerged likely written off while the garage and downstairs area had faced water up to the ceiling. Calls to insurance companies were being made, an electrician was coming to visit, but despite sentimental belongings now being ruined, V has decided to look on the bright side.
14: Got a bedroom downstairs as well. Unfortunately that was my office and all of my sort of like it was a bit, it was sort of like my man cave, so all of my like acquired collectibles from probably my entire life really. so I think once I go through that I'll be a little bit gutted, but you know what? to have two-thirds of a house still like you know livable means a lot and there are a lot of people that are you know far worse off. so we'll manage and we'll work through it.
13: And reflecting on both the damage and support received, V says the flooding has highlighted the need for community.
14: Yeah, it's so funny, right, reflecting, like, life is so fast-paced, society's just, you know, we're all in this rat race, and the only real time we get to really connect with each other is in these sorts of situations, which has made me think, like, yeah, we all probably need to do a bit more in our day-to-day lives to connect with each other and um, sort of establish community a bit more and the importance of it, you know, as we live in this fast-paced world, but, you know, when things hit the fan... People always come together, people always willing to help, and everyone here knows that we've got each other's back, you know, no matter the situation.
0: Yes, Leonard Powell with that report, and yeah, I I agree, that was one of the uh, heartening things I guess at a horrible time uh, that uh, community did come together I think it's when we are at our best, isn't it? And I think what happened was people looked for leadership and it wasn't there, they went, right, we'll do it ourselves Yeah, um, so look uh, all the best for those of you, there's still heavy rain warnings, uh, pretty much if we Well, I was going to say draw a line from Lake Taupo north there as well, but I see some for the top of the south as well. Keep safe, keep listening to us. We'll update you as we can. Morning Report is next with Kim and Corrin. From all of us here at First Up, have yourselves a wonderful day and we'll be back in your ears. Pōpō. Pōpō.